Gonna, we're going to continue in our series of how to live free from fear. This is message two. So we're going to continue in this series tonight. We're going to talk about some things I feel very stirred that are going to help your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I could just sense the Spirit of God moving. Hallelujah. Let's just pray for a second. Oh, Father, we thank you for the moving of your Spirit. Tonight we pray for utterance in the Holy Ghost. May you speak to us a fresh word. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I'll tell you. Hallelujah. You know, actually, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Let's do that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. We're just going to flow with the Holy Ghost tonight. He's stirring me to say some things. These messages that you will hear in our Sunday broadcast and our Wednesday night broadcast online, as I, as I go Monday through Friday every day with a three to five minute word for the day, these messages are designed to build strength in you. They're designed to strengthen you and enable you to think right so that you can believe right. Because as you think and believe right, you're going to be able to speak right and act right so that we walk being led by the Spirit of God and walk in the strength of God and by the faith of God. These messages are designed to strengthen you that way. Why? To equip you to go be Jesus to your world. To equip you to go out and do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ will be built up. So I want to encourage you, get real hungry tonight. Have ears to hear. Take notes. Go back and listen to these messages because I got to tell you, fear is rampant in the world and Jesus is the answer for fear, which means you're the answer for fear. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says this know also, we've been talking about this, that in the last or the final days, and we are in the final days, Jesus is about ready to come back for the church. We are the church. This is an end time harvest revival. This is a time where there's a lot going to be going on in the earth, but boy, there's going to be a lot going on in the kingdom of God. But it says in the final days, these are our days, perilous times shall come. And as we've seen before, this Greek word for perilous means dangerous times, difficult times, and strength-reducing times will come. But I've got news for you as a child of God. These are not dangerous times for us because we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's our protector, our deliverer, our provider. His presence is always with us. These are not difficult times. Oh, in the natural they may look difficult, but God is your source. So you declare and get poverty, get lack out of your life. Bind the enemy and watch God do glorious things. These are not strength-reducing times for us in the church because we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So we see in the last days, the final days, dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing days. I want you to go back to the Old Testament because it talks about our day as well. 
Haggai chapter 2. I want you to go back to Haggai chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 6 through verse 9. Haggai chapter 2, it's right towards the end of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 931. Good luck with that. Hallelujah. It's right towards the Old Testament. Might be the part of your Bible where the pages are stuck together, but they should not be stuck together anymore for you. It says here, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and i will shake the nation and i will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and i will fill this house with glory saith the lord of hosts verse 8 the silver is mine the gold is mine saith the lord of hosts the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice how many times it says, God says, saith the Lord of hosts. He says it over and over and over because he wants you to know, child of God, that this is him speaking. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken and will be shaken. Everything. But it's designed for a specific purpose and it's designed to bring people into the kingdom. It's designed for us, realize church, everything in your life that can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. The days of the seeker-sensitive, come to church whenever I feel like it, read my Bible once in a great while, seeker-sensitive, entertainment church, that day's over. I believe in the name of Jesus that this is a time that the church is waking up in America. It's a glorious time. You know, if there's things in your life, if you have been living as a child of God, just like a normal person who doesn't even know God, God's a peripheral, you have too many things going on for him, that's, that's going to be shaken in your life. Not for the purpose of hurting you, but for the purpose of purifying you. For the purpose so that you can know him. Your father wants you red hot in this world for him. He wants you to be who you are. Now, I am speaking by the Spirit of God right now. So receive that in the name of Jesus. The world is being shaken because the end is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In James chapter 5, verse 7, it says that Jesus... The Father, the mighty Holy Spirit, is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The average Christian in America, do you know how many people he leads to Christ up to now? None. It's less than one. Those days are over. So starting today, you're a harvest. Boy, I didn't plan on going here, but we need to be here right now. Hallelujah. Before Jesus returns everything is going to be shaken but it's going to bring a move of god such as the world has never seen so church be excited these are great days god has a wonderful and powerful plan for your life hallelujah 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 so let's look at this a little bit Hallelujah. He says in verse 6, I will shake the heavens 
and the earth and the sea, the dry land. Verse 7, and I will shake all nations and the desire, this Hebrew word literally means the delight and the pleasant and the precious of all nations shall come. What this is talking about is harvest. The people of this earth are the precious fruit of the earth. God is saying, I'm going to shake. Now, does that mean he brought the coronavirus? Oh, no, 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 no. God doesn't shake things like that. He, he doesn't have any virus. That comes from Satan. That's the enemy's work. And we're praying against that. In the name of Jesus, this virus will be eradicated in Omaha. People will recover quickly and there will be no other cases. We're believing God all over the world that this thing just be stopped and we get back to normal here. Yeah. Or I should say this, that we get back to supernatural. Amen. We don't want to go back to normal. But God, in the midst of the enemy bringing dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing days, God is shaking. He's shaking everything that could be shaking, shaken. People are going to awake to righteousness, and the byproduct of that is the glory of all nations. The, the delight, the precious fruit of the earth is going to come in to the kingdom of God as never before. Hallelujah. Right after that, God says in verse 8, the, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord. Notice how God connects money with the glory. The end time move of God, which we are in right now, is connected to finances. So this is why we must get our hearts in the right place as the children of God so that we are prepared to handle this money. Because if God could get it through you, he'll get it to you. So the earth are going to see the church prosper supernaturally as never before. And it's for the purpose it's for the purpose of reaching the world. Oh yes, our Father wants us blessed beyond measure. But it's for the purpose. See, it takes, it takes resources to get the power of God everywhere. It takes resources to reach the earth. Hallelujah. According to verse 7, he's saying, I will shake all nations. The desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory. Hallelujah. See, he's going to shake the nations. The precious fruit will come and he's going to fill this house, the kingdom of God, with glory. That's silver and gold. He's going to fill it. Why? God wants you, right where you are, to be a storehouse to bless others. Oh no, it's not about I believe in God for a 7 Series BMW. Not that God cares if you drive a 7 Series BMW. He doesn't care if you have that. He just doesn't want it to have you. And I've got to tell you, this end time harvest, there will be more funds coming into the church. Oh, this whole thing, the enemy would love to cut off the church even right now as we're not meeting together. But no, no, no. I say we're going forward. Financially, presence of God, healing, miracles, growth, every way we're going forward. God wants to fill his glory. He wants you to be a storehouse to bless others. If there's shortages in the earth, there will not be shortages of the people of God. And you won't have to worry about if things get crazy and people come to your house, you'll say, what do you need? Because God will replenish it supernaturally. And he says this, the glory of this latter house, that means the glory of the church, shall be greater than the former. That means it'll be greater than Solomon's temple. Sayeth the Lord of hosts. But look at what it says at the end of this. God says, and in this place, 
in this place. This is why you have to abide in the presence of God. Church, this is why the days of being a Sunday Christian are over. You need to watch every service Wednesday and Sunday from your home right now and get used to that. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Don't abandon it. Guys, many Christians are abandoning that. They decide if and when they go to church. Those days are over. Because your people's lives are going to be shaken. If it could be shaken, it could be shaken. I say, God, shake me. Because I want everything that's not of him to fall off of me. Because I want to yield all of my fruit in my season. I want my leaf to be fresh and never wither. And I want everything that I put my hand to to be brought to maturity. And oh, as your pastor, I want that for you too. I so want that for you too. Hallelujah. In this place, God says, in the midst of the shaking, in the midst of the dangerous, the shaking of his, of him, the dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing things that the enemy's doing in the earth, in the midst of that, in his presence, in his body, in his church, will I give peace. We are a glorious church. Hallelujah. So receive that tonight. And I want you to turn now, I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 7. Oh, I love how the Spirit of God just moves. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Such a flow of the Spirit coming here right now, tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. Again, this is a foundational scripture for this series and for our lives. You need to know this. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's external. It's not in you. You feel afraid, but that's just your feelings. That's external. This, this word fear means literally means delia. It means something that will turn you into a coward. God has not put anything in you that would turn you into a coward. Doesn't matter what's happening around you, you're fearless because of this verse. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as we said this before, love is right in the middle of power and a sound mind. And in the Greek, that means soundness of mind. That means you think right and you believe right. You don't see things as they seem outwardly, you see things with the eyes of your spirit. We call this discernment. We see things as they really are. You may feel because maybe you can't work right now. You may feel in lack, but you're not. You need to see it as it really is. And if you'll speak to lack and poverty and get it out of your life, I'm telling you, God has angels that will minister to you. Bring finances in. Open up income streams for you as never before. Power, love, and soundness of mind. The reason why the love of God is in the middle, it's the foundation. Perfect love, 1 John 4.18, casts out fear because fear has torment. Perfect love is this, I know that I know that I know that my God, who is my Father, loves me, and he cares for me, and he's with me and will never leave me, and he will see me through everything that I face and see me through to the victory that he's already purchased for me. See, the power of God to change your circumstances flows out of the love of God. That's why it's in the middle. 
the power of God or the love of God enables you. What flows out of the love of God is soundness of mind. It enables you to be at peace in the midst of a storm. Hallelujah. So now I want you to jump over to Luke chapter 6 in verse 48. This scripture has been rolling around in me for months. I can't seem to get away from it. It seems like I mention it almost every day of my life. Luke chapter 6 and verse 48. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you, church. Don't keep this, these services to yourself. Pass them around. Lead people to where they can watch them. Invite them to your home. Tell people about these services. They need, they need the peace of God. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says this. Jesus said, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? See, those days are over. People running around, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe Jesus is God. But they live exactly like somebody who does not know God. They're not in the Word. They very rarely ever go to church. And you could see all the sinful and unrighteous habits in their life, living in a way that they're not even meant to live. To the point to where the world looks at the church and they can't tell the difference. Those days are over. All that nonsense is going to be shaken. Verse 47 is what I want you to see. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man that built a house and digged deep. Right now, we're digging deep. And laid the foundation literally laid the foundation of their house or their life on a rock. And we know the rock is Jesus, who is the Word of God. And when the flood arose, notice, and when, not if, the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, but here's the good news, and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. Church, as you found your life on God's word, as you put it first place in your life, you've seen me do this so many times, if the word of God is first place in your life and your circumstances are below the word, your circumstances will never move you, no matter what they are. But if you choose not to have the word first and your eyes are on your circumstances, the word will no longer move you. Now your circumstances will. So I say, let's choose this. Proverbs 4 says, attend to my word. Put it first place. Incline your ear to it. Give it your undivided attention. Keep the word of God ever before your eyes and keep it in the midst of your heart. For it's life to all those that find it and it's health and medicine to all their flesh. I'm telling you, the healing power of God is to flow in your body continually from the tip of your head to the soles of your feet, driving out sickness, driving out disease, driving out weakness or injury, and restoring your body to health and wholeness so that, so that you go from walking in the healing power of God until your body is well, then you walk in divine health and divine life to where when you come in contact with a virus or sickness or disease, it dies, it can't live in your body. That is the place that we're talking about right here. So founding your life on a rock, on Jesus, on the word, will cause you during this time not to be shaken. Everything in your life that's not founded on the word, as a child of God, is going to be shaken. We're living in those times. So I say, let's embrace it. Lord, shake everything off of me that's keeping me from being who I am. So now I want you to run over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. 
And I want to show you what it looks like to found your life upon the Word of God. To be free from fear. To where you're trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. This, my friend, is a place of rest. Where you've ceased from your own works. You're not, you've stopped trying to figure it out. And you simply work out only what he's working in. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about the children of Israel. And it, and it uses them as an example a pattern for us as the New Testament church. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt was a type of us getting born again. The children of Israel going through, the, in, being in the wilderness, they were to cross over the Jordan River and go into the land of Canaan. That is a type. Them going in with their company across the Jordan into the promised land is a type of you and I as a New Testament believer, obtaining our inheritance. Remember, you as a child of God have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Remember that you've been blessed and given all things that pertain to life and godliness as a, as a child of God. So, But how to go possess what you've been given, we can look at this pattern. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, let us therefore fear. That's a little vague in the King James. This word fear literally means to be cautious. It means to be aware and to be diligent. Let us therefore be aware, be cautious, and be diligent. Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. See, the Bible is saying, be diligent, be cautious, be aware, because if you're not, you're not going to be able to possess these promises that have been given to you, which the biggest of all of them, and it's the result of all of them, is so that you can enter into the rest of God. See, faith is a rest. We take possession of everything that God's given us by His grace with the faith of God that, we, that comes to us as we hear His Word. So you can't walk in any of the promises of God if you're not at rest. So we got to be aware. It says, For unto us, verse 2, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. The gospel, we're preaching the word of God today. We preach the word all the time. The same gospel was preached to them. God said, listen, I've given you this land. Just obey me, hear and obey, and I'll do glorious things for you. New Testament church is, I've already given it to you. So you literally walk in me and you lay hold of everything. But it says here, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, what the children of Israel did is they were in the wilderness and they were governed by what they saw. And every time something would happen to them, they wouldn't see it as it really was. They would not believe God that he already gave them the victory, that he was their victor, that he was their protector. They kept saying, oh, we should have went, we should go back to Egypt. So many Christians are right there. Let me just live like the world, because this thing in God's not working anyway. No, no, no. The word of God always works. The problem is you're not working it. So, so they were complaining. They were speaking what they were seeing. That's our pattern. If you, if you want to stay out of the blessing and protection of God, look at your natural circumstances and speak them, just like they did. But if you will mix faith with the word of God that you hear, the Bible says that's how you lay hold. That's how you walk in it. That's how you be a doer of the word. 
So you're hearing things today. You need to mix faith with what you're hearing, and your mixer is one inch underneath your nose. It's your mouth. So do you want to walk around, and do you want, instead of experiencing fear, you want to experience power, love, and soundness of mind? You walk around saying, Father, I thank you. You mix it. I thank you that I don't have a spirit of fear. But coming out of my spirit is your power. I am filled with the love of God. I know you love me. And because of that, I walk in a soundness of mind. I think right. I believe right. I thank you that you've given me the victory. See, you mix the gospel. I declare today that I have authority in the name of Jesus over the enemy. Poverty, lack, get out of my life. Sickness and disease, I command you to leave my body. In Jesus' name, for it is written, it is written, it is written. And then we speak the word of God. Hebrews tells us later on to hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. It says in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Isn't that awesome? To enter into rest, you simply need to mix faith with God's word. That's being a doer of his word. We keep our eyes on the word of God and we keep it in our heart. We keep it in our heart by speaking it. And we keep it constantly coming out of our mouth so that the power of God could fill it and change things in our life by speaking it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So now if you jump down to verse 9, it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And then it explains this rest. Verse 10, For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. God is saying, stop trying to figure it out. I've got this. This whole thing we're facing right now has not caught God off guard. He's already in your future. He's already got it all worked out. He's got another job for you. He's got provision for you. All of it. If you, if you have sickness in your body, he's already provided healing. When were you healed? 2,000 years ago. It's already taken care of. So family, we can rest. And we speak right and we rest. So the Bible says this, verse 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example to un of unbelief. So what do we make an effort in? Our labor is to enter rest. That's the fight of faith. It's not against the devil, he's defeated. It's not against your circumstances. They have to bow to the name of Jesus. The battle will be for you and I to stay at rest. So we got to keep mixing faith with the word. Let's define this rest a little more. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 12. So just turn left a little bit. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. At the end of verse 12, it says this. It says in Philippians 2.12, at the end of the verse, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First thing I want you to see is we're to work out our own salvation. Not our neighbors, not our husbands, not our kids. We're to work out our own salvation. The Lord will speak to you about you. Now, if you have little children... They're under your care, so you have to do that. But if you have adult children, they have to work out their own salvation. And then it says this in verse 13, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So now, if you look at the King James Version, it says God works in you. That means, that word worketh means he energizes you. Both to will both to want to do his will, and he'll also energize you to do his will and to do of his good pleasure. 
That word pleasure means purpose. So he's going to give you the desire to do it, and he's going to empower you to do his purpose. The amplified version of verse 13 really brings out the Greek. So I'm going to read verse 13 to you in the amplified version. It says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. Hallelujah. See, God made you and I to operate out of rest, never to operate out of stress. If we operate out of stress, it causes our body to not work right. Our body is made to be in balance and it's made for us as we, as we, the spirit man that we are, walk in rest and we renew our mind with the word of God, it'll cause our body to come in, come in line with that. God made you to operate out of rest. So important that you see that. So now this is what we know as a child of God. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5 in verse 4. 1 John Chapter 5, verse 4, right before the book of Revelation here. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 4 says this, You are of God, little children. I'm sorry, I'm in chapter, I'm in chapter 4, 4. That's good. I'll read that. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives on the inside of us. And then in 1 John 5, 4, it literally says, for whatsoever is born of God, that really means whosoever, is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the Greek word world system, cosmos. Whoever's born of God, that's you. Oh, you continuously overcome anything the world system can throw at you. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. Isn't that good news? So now if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 14, I want you to see this real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. If you're born of God, you overcome the world. And in verse 14 of chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, it says this. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. That, see, our God always causes us to triumph and he will leave a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. That is the anointing. You are to leave an anointing. You are to be light in this dark world. And you can't give what you don't have, but you already have. And I'm here to tell you, you have it. It's now. We have it now. So how do we walk that out? Let's talk a little bit about strength. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says this, Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Literally in the Greek, it means be continually strengthened inwardly in God. You have to stay hooked up. A power tool can do nothing if it's not plugged into electricity. A battery-operated power tool can do nothing if, it's, if there's no battery, if it's unhooked from the battery. Jesus is the vine. You and I are the branches. We can't do anything apart from him. And we are to not live in our strength. 
These are dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing days, but not for us because we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Isn't that amazing? So I want you to go back to an Old Testament example now. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Let's see how God told Joshua after the death of Moses, Joshua was to lead the children of Israel into their inheritance. So to to go lead the people into their inheritance, Joshua was told certain things by God. In verse 5, he said, Josh, there shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not fail you nor forsake you. First thing you need to know, see this word stand, no man will be able to stand against you or stand before you. That means nothing that man can operate in in this world can ever stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Why? Because as God was with Moses, Joshua, he's going to be with you. Not going to be, he is with you. As a matter of fact, you can't get away from him. He'll be with you forever. Hallelujah. And it says here, I will be with you and I will not fail you. That means my power will never wane in your life and I will never forsake you. That means I'll never desert you or abandon you. It's the same word used in the New Testament in Hebrews 10.25 that says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. We've done that, church. The average Christian, they say, in America goes to church 1.3 times a month. That's ridiculous. If they go to church 1.3 times a month, how many times do you think they crack open their Bible? Never. Those days are over. That's all going to be shaken. Hallelujah. So happy about that. He says in verse 6, So be strong and of good courage. New Testament believer, be strong in the Lord, and that's going to produce good courage in your life. That you may what? Or I'm sorry, for unto this people shall you divide an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do or Literally, it's saying, so that you may observe yourself doing according to the law. New Testament believer, God is saying, you be strong in me and courageous in me so that you can see yourself doing my word. This is how we go in. Isn't that awesome? Which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And then he says this, Turn not from my word to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. God's saying to them, they knew the right and left hand of of wisdom was a long, healthy life and riches and honor. We as children of God, we never seek things. We never seek riches and honor. We never seek a long, healthy life. We seek Him. And he adds all of that to us as we're at rest. It's how it works. And then he says this. Now he's going to start to tell us how to be strong and courageous. He says this book of the law, New Testament believer, the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you're always speaking the word, never speaking the problem, never speaking the circumstances, always speaking the word shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. You'll meditate in my word day and night that you may observe yourself doing it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. The word of God empowers you to make your way prosperous. The path is already there. The Word of God then becomes the lamp to your feet and a light to your path, and you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart that will lead you and guide you into all the truth. Verse 9 goes on to say, Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, love. He cares about you and loves you. He's with you and he will see you through. So now I want to talk a little bit about this strength. Go to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. Church, as you're sitting in your house, don't allow distractions to distract you. Learn how to focus in your spirit. People have said you got to have short sermons because people's attention span, mentally, they just can't, they can't focus long enough. Well, I'm not talking about you focusing mentally. You learn how to receive out of your spirit. You can sit for hours and feed on the word of God. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says at the end of this verse, but the people that do know their God, that means that you know him so intimately. This Hebrew word means to know so intimately that things are being conceived inside of you and birthed out of you. Shall be strong. That, that, that word strong means will be strong and courageous enough to seize hold of things. All these blessings that have been given to you in the word of God, you have to seize hold of them with your faith to see them in your life. The key is everybody who knows God. This is why the church has been so weak. But we are weak no more. We're not going to be weak this week. In Jesus' name. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. This Hebrew word, this Hebrew phrase in here, although exploits is in italics, it's bringing out the meaning of this Hebrew, this Hebrew phrase. It means to do things beyond your own ability. God has not called you to do things according to your ability. He's called you to do things according to his ability that we work with him. We're not designed to do things alone. We're designed to do everything with him. So then as we go back to Daniel chapter 3, I want to read you a story. I think it's hilarious that our worship team sang about this. In verse 1, I'm going to read this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because you need to see exactly, exactly how they were able to be strong in the midst of an extreme trial where their lives were on the line. And we're going to kind of close with this story. I feel myself, that we're coming to the end of this, so, so hang with me because I'm going to read a lot of this story. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits. That's about 90 feet tall. And the breadth of it was about six cubits. That's about nine feet wide. So he made a golden image 90 feet tall, and nine feet wide. Now, the image was not necessarily of himself. It could very well have been of the God that he worshipped. We don't know. And he set up, and he set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Verse 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So he brings all of the leaders of his kingdom. Verse 5, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, all of these instruments, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worships shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar makes this image 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide of gold, of his God or an image of him, we don't know, 
He calls all of the leaders of his land and he calls them and he says, listen guys, here's what's going to happen. We're gonna, the orchestra is going to start playing. And when they start playing, all of you, this is the day we're going to find out who you are, whose side you're on, and we're eradicating everybody who's not for us. Whoever falls down and worships him, good, you're my guys. But whoever doesn't will be thrown the same hour into a furnace. In other words, we're getting rid of you. In other words, the most powerful king on the planet is saying, you're going to serve who I serve, you're going to do what I say, or you're dead. We as a church, guys, we got to be ready to make a decision on who we're going to serve. These are the times. Verse 8, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. So what happened was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. And so now they're coming to Nebuchadnezzar and they're saying, hey, these three Jewish teenagers, uh, they, they didn't bow. So king, I guess they, can we go throw them in, a, in an oven? Because they wanted to get rid of them anyway. See, and, and now it's going to explain in verse 12 who these guys were. There were certain Jews of whom Hath, of, of whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So they're telling who it is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then they brought these men before the king. So out of all the leaders, could you imagine... These three are brought before the most powerful man on the planet who's really upset and who said in front of all of his leaders, I'm throwing whoever doesn't bow into a fiery furnace. So it's not like he's left his way out. He's going to prove who he is. Wow. Verse 14, And Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Could you imagine how he spoke? Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of this orchestra, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well. In other words, I'm giving you one more chance. If you fall down and worship right now, when you hear the music, then I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm going to give you one more chance. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And could you imagine how he said that? And who is this God that shall deliver you out of my hands? See, the gospel's foolish to those that are perishing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, could you imagine? So right after King Nebuchadnezzar says that, now he's going to have the music start. And you could imagine the three Hebrews go, hey, 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 hold on before you start playing the music. Hold on. We, we could tell you, you don't even need to waste their energy. We could answer you. And could you imagine? The king's probably going, what are you doing? What, what do you, will you want to talk to me? I didn't tell you to talk to me. But it says, they answered and said, O king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. You can't take this stance. And be, this is a picture of being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, unless you're living it. Unless you know that the God of heaven loves you as his child and cares for you, and is with you, and will see you through anything that you'll ever face. You can't be this way. And so they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, if it be so, in other words, if you throw us into the furnace, 
Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So these three teenagers literally just stood against the most powerful king on the planet and said, our God is able to, and he will deliver us out of your hand. In other words, king, as we're all standing here, you're not the man, our God is the man. I'm telling you, church, that should rise up in you right now. This is how we deal with poverty. This is how we deal with lack. This is how we deal with disease and sickness, depression. This is how we deal with it. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. But if not, verse 18, what do you mean if not? If you decide, based on what we're saying, not to throw us in the furnace, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So king, if you're a little freaked out because of this God that maybe you're starting to go, whoa, what, what is going on? These guys are standing before me, and you decide, okay, listen, I'm not going to throw you in. No, we're never bowing. We'll never bow. Verse 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. There's a difference between being mad, being full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, when you stand up, church, don't expect, don't be this little weak word of faith person that's going to go, okay, Father, I'm just going to keep claiming that I don't have to go through the fire. Yes, today is not comfortable. It's not a comfortable day for us in the church. What are you talking about we can't meet together? That's ridiculous. It's uncomfortable when all of a sudden your place of business closes down. All this stuff is uncomfortable, but it's not to move you and it's not to affect your life. God's your provider. He's your protector. So don't expect, don't, don't, don't be freaked out. Know the end result. Hey, you know what? If you decide to throw me in, whatever. My God will deliver me. So it says here, he got so mad that he told him to heat up the furnace seven times more than it was supposed to be heated. Like, like you're going to die any quicker. But that's what happens when you get full of fury. You do stupid things. Verse 20, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar the king, now verse 22 and 23 so, so what, what happened is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down in the midst of the fiery furnace. The people who threw them in died, right? Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. That means he was amazed, he was alarmed, and he was astonished at something. So he could see what's happening. He saw them fall in, and imagine how crazy that was to see their bodies not burst in the flames and disintegrate. He saw them fall in, and he saw all the bindings just kind of burn off of their clothes, but their clothes not burn. And then he saw them get up. So he was kind of amazed. He was uh, alarmed because he's now no longer seeing three. Because remember what God says, I'll always be with you. He'll be with you, church. And he rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Because the king's looking at four people and he's like, oh, Wait a minute, hold on a second. Didn't we only cast three in there? Because I'm, are you seeing this? Because there's four. 
the world will see that he's with you. And it'll bring in the precious fruit of the earth, your family, your friends. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth. See, you need to realize that they saw the three children of Israel and the fourth one looked like the Son of God. You're a New Testament believer. If you're in a fiery furnace, guess what? You look like the Son of God because he's not with you, he's in you. We need to see this. Hallelujah. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near, verse 26, the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, could you imagine? He's thinking, but, but the fourth one, you, you just kind of, you know, I don't even want to mess with you, right? It's, he asked them to come forth. Verse 27, and the princes, governors, captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor the hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, not nor the smell of fire had passed on them. The world will see you come through with not any hurt, nothing changed as if you never went through it. We are more than conquerors. Satan is far below us. We are seated with Christ. We have the name of Jesus. Listen, the grace of God cannot be even compared to sin. The mercy of God is greater than any disobedience. The life of God in me, the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar spoke. Now this is what happens after you come through a battle. Notice you're at rest. They weren't working, were they? They were walking around. They're three teenagers. They're probably going, dude, this is awesome. I mean, check this out. Look, I'm touching the side. Look at the flames. They're just, they're, they won't, they can't touch us. You can see, you, they're probably messing around in there. They're like, watch this. And they move this way and the flame jumps away from them. I mean, could you imagine? That's the way, the boldness that you're to have. You tell the end result before you ever go in the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. Look at how, look at the fruit that is born when we stand. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Isn't that amazing, the fruit that even the guy heading the attack against you his heart is turned. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Guys, there's always promotion after the fire. You're going to see that what the enemy has meant for evil, the church is going to come out of this stronger promoted and i'm telling you get ready for great revival 
I want to close with one scripture that's burning in my heart right now, and it's Psalm 125, verse 1. Hallelujah, we've done what the Lord has asked us to do today. Hallelujah, we're so glad. Psalm 125, verse 1. This is a foundation. The foundation of your life is we trust God. It says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. Hallelujah. This word abide, it means I live forever and I stand forever. See, trusting in God is not based on, is not based on feeling, it's based on knowledge. Trusting God is keeping your mind on Him. Trusting God brings His empowerment into your life. And trusting in God, dear, dear friend, dear family, it's expressed in rest. So let these words comfort you tonight. Let these words empower you. Let these, pers- these words awaken you, saith the Spirit of God. God loves you so much. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. And church, we're going to go out and reach people and see God change lives.